Hi, today we are going to be discussing possible causes of autism and we're going to be focusing in on mycotoxins as an underlying cause. So when we're talking about causes of autism, we really need to look at a combination of genetic predisposition and environmental assaults. And so when we're talking about environmental assaults, that can be um, environmental chemicals like glyphosates and other pesticides. It can be heavy metals and it can also be mycotoxins. And so we're going to be really showing today how mycotoxins can play a role in influencing the genetic expression on the body and the brain chemistry. So when we're looking at autism, we have to look at a combination of underlying contributors. So we want to make sure when we are working with a client who has autism that we check their entire body. So we want to look at all of their systems. We want to look at their inflammation and immune function. We definitely want to look at GI issues. We want to understand where their detoxification uh, pathways may not be working properly. We want to look at mitochondrial function, neurological uh, dysfunction, um, oxidative stress. We want to look at all of these different things because in autism, we oftentimes see that these different systemic engines in the body are not working properly. Sometimes it's because of, of underlying infection or some sort of environmental toxin. And other times it's genetic. And many times it's those two things that are interplaying with each other that lead to underlying issues or secondary issues with like GI or microbiome imbalance, for example, or immune issues or poor detoxification or mitochondrial issues. So let's discuss what mycotoxins are. They are identified as a biological group of organisms commonly known as yeast, mold, or even mushrooms. So um, when we're talking about yeast, think of things like candida or even Saccharomyces. Not all yeast are bad. And so I just wanted to notate that in this slide. And then we can go into different types of mold like Aspergillus and Penicillium, for example, which are which are known to be toxic to the human body. There are over 300 species of fungi that can produce toxic compounds and exposure to any of these can cause multiple chronic health issues, including exacerbations or even symptoms of autism. Mycotoxins are some of the most prevalent toxins in the environment. They are extremely toxin, uh, toxic, excuse me, and the majority of mycotoxin exposures are surprisingly through food ingestion. And of course we can get them in airborne exposure. Um, in, the, in the EU, 20% of grains in fact, that have been harvested have been found to be contaminated with mycotoxins. There are border regulations so that when the grains are taken from one country to another, they are actually tested. And there are oftentimes a large percentage of the grains that are not allowed in, from one country to another because they test too high for mycotoxins. In the EU, they're very careful about this. They really understand how mycotoxins can cause a lot of neurological and, and immune and chronic health issues in people. It will be really nice to see some of the regulations um, get upgraded here in the United States. 
many mycotoxins are resistant to heat and many processing procedures, and they are also immune to bleach. So if you're thinking that you see a little bit of mold in your shower and you think that the bleach is going to get rid of it, it it's not. That's why it keeps coming back. Here's some examples of mold found in common foods that are consumed. And we also find mold in houses. If you have looked at any of my other um, uh, little webinars that we've done where we hit on mold, I have some great depictions of where we have found mold and where um, other practitioners also have found mold in people's homes where when you you know looked at the walls and the floors initially you could see nothing but once the walls and the floors were were torn apart you could see that the walls and the floors in fact were infested with mold here are some of the medically significant mycotoxins with the first four on the left being some of the most common and toxic ones that we often find in clients, including the aflatoxin, ochratoxin, the gliotoxin, and the mycophenolic acid. Mycotoxins can cause a lot of problems in the systemic engines of the body, including the breakdown of DNA and RNA molecules, they disrupt mitochondrial function. They disrupt cellular processes, inhibit enzymes in the kidneys. Sorry, there was a misspell there. And they disrupt protein synthesis. And what can be in particularly scary about mycotoxins also is that they're not usually detected by the immune system. Mycotoxicosis is, uh, is a type of toxin that can really affect, like I said before, all of the different systems in the body, including the brain, liver, kidney, endocrine, and immune system. And the severity can be determined by many factors, including exposure duration, the type of the mycotoxin, age and genetics, health and nutritional status, and additional toxic burden like glyphosate, metals, xenoestrogen toxins, pesticides, mycotoxins, underlying infections, um, nutritional status, stress, and, and many other factors. Many common conditions that are associated with mycotoxins include autism, depression, Alzheimer's, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, schizophrenia, seizures. As you can see here, there are multiple conditions that are associated with mycotoxins. But you can also pick out that there are many neurological-based ones as well. And here are some common symptoms that are, that are associated with mycotoxins, including chronic fatigue, cold extremities, impaired memory, depression, sleep, order, sleep disorders, muscle twitching, and many more. Aflatoxin is one of the more common ones that we find. It's, um, it's, it's very toxic to the body and can cause many issues, especially with children. Aflatoxin is very, very toxic to children, more so than it is to adults. And it is also known to be carcinogenic. Um, obviously, it's a neurotoxin. It causes a lot of mental impairment, um, abdominal pain, depression of the immune system, headaches, it depletes glutathione, targets mitochondria, as we mentioned before. And these are many of the common autism symptoms 
that can be exacerbated or even show up suddenly with the onset of mold toxicity. So we're looking at sensory issues, methylation dysfunction, cognitive impairment, um, increased or sudden sensitivities of light, sound, touch, food, chemicals, um, gut disorders, um, mast cell activation. So it's going to start affecting the immune system, even though the immune system doesn't really know what's going on, right? Uh, increased multiple chemical sensitivities, shortness of breath, joint and muscle pain. And when we're talking about mold toxicity, one of the major systemic engines that it really affects is the microbiome or the gut biome. And when that happens, we see increased neural inflammation, allergies, autoimmunity, and other neurological deficits. And so I just wanted to show a very interesting um, um, symptom that we see in kids with autism when they are, when it's associated with mold toxicity, that they can have a common silly, goofy, or giddy, or inappropriate uh, laughter where they where the kids can act drunk after they have had um, sugar or carbohydrate intake. And, uh, and they'll have heightened sensory seeking behavior, heightened anxiety. And, um, and we oftentimes see that, like I said, it's like the kids are drunk. And this, is, this can be very, very common um, because what's happening is the, the yeast and the mold can actually ferment compounds into alcohol. And kids that have autism have big issues with their detox pathways not working properly. And so if they have mold and the mold is fermenting into alcohol and you notice that your child who, who might have autism or be on the autism spectrum disorder, if you notice that they have these types of symptoms where they act this way, you might want to pay attention to what they have just eaten. Um, and, and also you might want to get them tested because if they are having mold issues, and then they eat certain food is just going to make like a mold, mold toxicity frenzy in their body, which can lead to this common type of behavior that we see in autistic children. Um, correlation of mold and autism. This is just an interesting little graphic here showing that um, kids that have autism uh, typically show high levels of, of mold. And here is another slide showing some other neurological complications from mold, uh, mainly IQ levels. So when children who are very, very susceptible to complications from mold exposure, when they have mold exposure, it can not only cause symptoms of autism or exacerbate symptoms of autism. It can not only cause issues with their immune function, but it also has been shown to decrease the child's IQ because it is causing damage to their brain. Here's an interesting case study courtesy of the recent IMMH lectures that I just attended. I thought this was very interesting. I wanted to show you some of the other complications that we can find in children who are exposed to mold. So this was an infant who was exhibiting uh, several different symptoms, but amongst them was exhibiting some symptoms um, on the skin known as cafe au lait spots. 
And it turns out that the entire family was contaminated with mold and they passed it on to the baby. So the, the entire family got tested, including these, the, uh, so it was the mother, the father, the sibling, and even the dog. And they all came out showing, um, showing mold. So the father already had different symptoms that he just attributed to um, allergies. And when we come here to the next slide, we can see that the mother also was exhibiting different symptoms. And the, one of the siblings was also having symptoms. And even the family dog was having symptoms. And when the entire family got tested, we could see that the father actually did have ochratoxin toxicity. The mother was showing it as well. The kids were showing it and the breast milk. So when the mother was nursing, the mother was passing the ochratoxin toxicity to the baby. So the mother was actually detoxing her own body by passing it on through the breast milk to her, to her um, infant. They even checked the dog and the dog had high levels of ochratoxin as well. And so testing is a great thing to do. I highly encourage that if you're having symptoms that you get tested. Here is, an, here is a, a, an, another autism case with a four-year-old. And when the parents took the four-year-old to get some testing done, they found extremely high levels of fungal markers. In fact, some of them were 46 and 44 times the upper range of normal. The oxalic acid levels were also extremely high. So just for reference range for oxalic acid, you would want to see normal range between 35 and 185. The child had 793 on the oxalic acid levels. Oxalic acid is typically a secondary to mold exposure. And when oxalic acid levels get very, very high, it can really exacerbate autism symptoms greatly. And it can also cause a lot of body pain as well. And here is a comparison of oxalate levels found in autistic kids versus normal kids. So we see this very, very common in autistic children. And this can be dealt with but it's, it's good to get the testing done so that you can see what's going on. And here is another case study of severe aggression and odd behavior that suddenly was exhibited in a six-year-old girl who previously did not have any type of aggressive behavior. And as you can see here, when the testing was done, the underlying causes that were found were that this child had some really, really high levels of several different mold and, uh, and other yeast markers. So what do we do if we are suspecting that the underlying cause of autism or autism symptoms or exacerbation of autism symptoms could be mold? Get tested. There's nothing that can replace looking at the data so that we can see exactly what's going on. Once you identify and confirm the mold toxicity and what strains, then we need to identify where the exposure is coming from and we need to remove the moldy environment, whether it's food exposure or it's found in the house, then we need to get the house mitigated from, uh, we know, from mold with some mold specialists. Um, we want to do binders and detoxification. We also want to consider nasal antifungals as well. 
Um, and we want to use different binders such as bentonite clay, activated charcoal, chlorella. Depending on which strain of mold will determine which types of binders and detoxification methods that are going to work the, the best. And then we want to add in some other detox support like infrared sauna and acetylcysteine and glutathione to help open up and move those detox pathways, methylation and mitochondrial support as well, because typically these autistic children are having big issues with methylation and their mitochondrial production as well. And here's a slide just showing some of the different um, binders that can be used according to the different strains that might be identified on testing. And then finally, we want to make sure that we support the immune function of these autistic children because the immune function is really going to help improve the symptoms of autism or they're going to exacerbate the symptoms of autism. If we don't support the immune function and the gut, then we are essentially allowing a brain on fire type scenario. And so I just wanted to include this last slide talking about um, in talking about immune support and autism. I hope that this gave you some great information and some more insight as to looking at underlying causes, whether it's autism or any other type of neurological disorder. Thanks and have a great day.